Yo, what's good? This is Barry Harrison, a.k.a. The Stars Barber. And uh, I just want to come at you today and tell you how schedulicity has changed my life. Like, number one, it's changed my life because it helped me get more organized. I was able to structure my day, structure my week. Um, I know what type of revenue I have coming this day. If I need to run out, run an errand, uh, if I want to take lunch, I'm able to do all these things. And it just helps to structure uh, a barber or stylist or anyone that's in an appointment-driven industry. You're able to maximize your time. And time is something that you can't get back. So I value my time and I love the customer service. And I've been with Schedulicity for over almost 10 years. I've been rocking with them for almost a decade. So happy to be part of the family. Happy. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Hey, Tony. So um, I'm really excited to talk about Scroll Back Saturday. Yeah, it's something that we've talked about it for a while, about revisiting some of our favorite podcasts and guests. Yeah, and um, it's, it's just a great opportunity to, uh, again, to revisit those guests as well as on some of our favorite topics that we've done. Yeah, so a lot of times people just get caught up with the current episodes. This way they get a chance to listen to uh, some of our favorites. <laughs> some, some, some pre-me and you. Right. I guess. <laughs> they'll, they'll see how horrible we are and how... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't judge us on Saturdays. How we're not as bad, but still bad. <laughs> so, so silly. All right, man. So, so listen, it's Scroll Back Saturday, and uh, I, we hope you enjoy this episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my bud, Tone. What's up, Tony? What's going on, man? Uh, I'm uh, super excited. We're here in uh, Philadelphia yeah. uh, at Premier. And, Philadelphia uh, Premier 2018, right? Yes, and uh, our guest today, I mean, we, we've been laughing probably for the last hour. This dude <laughs> is so funny. Uh, when we get into his story, and if you get a chance to uh, research this guy, you'll be laughing. Yeah, no doubt. But I can't wait. I can't wait to get in. Well, you want to go ahead and uh, just jump in then? Just to jump in? Yep. Okay. So um, our guest today is Ben Mollen, and uh, Ben Mollen is the CEO of the Ben Mollen Project, right? But um, Ben's also known for, um, he was the runner-up on Sheer Genius with the amazing Tabitha Coffee. And he was just on the, uh, the recent episode of The Look. <laughs> runner-up again. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's go ahead and get in. Uh, so, Mr. Ben Mollen, thank you for joining us on your day off. Well, second place. Let me second if place. I, if I may. Yeah. No stress. No stress. None. Because you, you didn't care. You didn't win. You didn't win. Second place. Second place. So, second place in a way is just it's safe, it's easy, and very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds uh, like a speech his wife wrote. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. My therapist told me to Same say that. second. Yeah, right. For some reason, I asked. My therapist told me to uh, respond that way. So. Right. That's awesome. 
Oh my goodness. This, this is how the whole thing's going to be. I have You're a feeling. laughing the whole time? Yeah. This is, <laughs> is going to be awesome. It just depends on the question. Right. You know? <laughs> so. He's not even Dutch. Right. <laughs> no, uh-uh, not even close. So, so where did you grow up? Where are you from? I am from Calumet City, Illinois. So I'm originally from the south side of Chicago. So if you take where the Bears play, Soldier Field, I'm 30 miles, like about a half an hour south in a town called Calumet City. And it was kind of just, I wasn't necessarily like the hood, but Cal City was Cal City. It was just like a a blue collar working town. We had the Ford plant out there. Uh, Both my parents were teachers. So we had to live in district because my mom was a school principal. So me and my brother were raised in Calumet City, Illinois. I mean, when I was a baby, which doesn't really count, like baby life, (laughs) I guess I spent like 11 months in some like crap apartment in Dalton, Illinois, which would be kind of like the stepbrother of Cal City. (laughs) So going from Dalton to Cal City would be like, I don't know, crossing the street to the nicer side. And no, we, we lived there pretty much my whole entire life. Oh, wow. And uh, so I was there till I was 18 and just started moving around because we had to live in district. So lived there. My mom was a school principal at a K through five elementary. And then my dad was a music teacher, uh, K through five, about like 20 minutes away in another like Southern, you know, suburb of Illinois in Chicago Heights. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I mean, so we grew up. My grandparents were in the front of the house. My mom and dad were in the back of the house. And then there was me and my brother. And Top that was the it. House? <laughs> no, it was like a big, like if you were to take two like slab homes and just jam them together. And so they were in the front and me, my mom, my dad, and my brother were in the back. So I was basically raised by my grandma because my parents work. And then my grandpa was actually a, a, for lack of a better term, a mobster. So he actually lived with Al Capone's son his freshman year of U of I. And they played football together. And What is that? This is Capone's son? Yeah. He played fresh- football at U of I. At U of I. Freshman year at U of I. So the, the story is tackling him. Nobody. <laughs> so and he was uh so my grandpa was in the front of the house and he ran a pharmacy like when he was a kid because he went to pharmacy school. And how the story goes is that Capone told him to go ahead and drop out. And so my grandpa was basically like his job before I was born. He used to run the prescription drugstores in South Chicago for the mob. Mm-hmm. And how I even got turned on to doing hair when he would babysit me, he'd bring me to a barber shop in Dalton, <laughs> the, town, the town I lived as a, as a baby, which kind of doesn't count. And I would sit there and read highlights magazines while he would run numbers on the phone because he was a bookie for like Chicago sports teams. Wow. This is your grandpa. So my grandpa. Yeah. So, so your grandpa, he, um, it was Al Capone that, that, that told him to quit. That, or, again, school, or that was the or that was the or no, that no, was no. the son. The, how this story goes is that freshman year at U of I lived together with Capone's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capone got paranoid and pulled his son out of school. And okay, so Al Capone had, pulled him out of school. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. I was yeah. confused. I wasn't sure yep. if it was the if it was the son that that, that said no, no uh, or if it was the dad that was like no, it was it was just kind of like that. Like, and this is his ring, you know. Your and gra- your grandfather. You, you watched videos when, when they were younger. We got them all like, we took all the, remember when it was popular to take like your old, like 
they look like machine gun rolls as oh, far right. as like the old cameras. And oh, then yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd go from that to VHS. And then from VHS, you'd go to DVD. I remember like my mom got like, she spent like a thousand dollars like back in the day to get everything from VHS over into DVD. And if you look at like old pictures and old videos, like in like even like the sixties and seventies, like he was driving these crazy cars. Like they were going to like he'd go to like the zoo with his barber, and he'd be in a wheelchair smoking cigars, laughing, going around. So it's it's high, kind of hard to tell, but he was definitely like in the right area at the right time um, mm-hmm. for all that stuff to kind of happen. So when I was growing up, he was pretty quiet for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, one time and one time only, I sprayed him with the hose. I had friends over, you know, I was like, what, 11, 11 or 12. <laughs> and all my grandpa used to do is he had a garden. He would drink old style and he would hit golf balls in the river. And when I say river, it do not think of anything romantic. It was like a fucking river. You could jump it. <laughs> it was like, it was basically, it was like old plank wood and just death, you know, in the back of my house. And I sprayed him with the hose and I got him like right money shot like, right, 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 like right when he came out. And my friends are out there. We're playing basketball. Pulls the hose out of my hand, pushes me up against the wall, <laughs> picks me up by an arm. The dude lifted. He was like Hulk Hogan. He like lifted weights the whole entire time he was alive. Holds me up, looks, waits for tears, waits another second, drops me, and then grabs me by the feet, puts my head by the door, <laughs> puts his foot by my head, and starts slamming the door back and forth. <laughs> no way. My grandpa in front of my friends. <laughs> In front of my friends. And then my dad, who I'll get to later. And then my dad, who's, we'll talk about this later. My dad has a stutter. (laughs) So all I hear is my dad going, (laughs) and the door was slamming. And it was like, if you were to take like a really like fear and loathing in Las Vegas and combine it with a requiem for a dream, it was at that specific time and moment, I literally thought my grandpa was going to kill me. And I was like 11. Oh, my God. For spraying him with a hose. So. Oh, my God. It was epic. And you, you know what I never did? I never <laughs> fucking sprayed him with a hose. Again. <laughs> you sprayed him with a hose. No, no. And that he never, there was never any violence. Nothing. But the one time that I sprayed him, you know what I mean? And got him in the total nut shot. I thought I was going to die. So were you it was, afraid of him after that? It, yeah. Right. I mean, how, how can't you be? It was effortless. You I'd know? be like, I wouldn't even say hi. I just wait. And then my grandma was, my grandma was super sweet, you know, super sweet, but married to a, a complete like, wow, you know? And, but I said, super cool guy. Like he was awesome. You know, I'd sit on his lap when I was a kid and he would smoke a ca- captain black tobacco out of a pipe and I'd play barrel full of monkeys and we just watch right. the Cubs, you just, know, just don't jump on his lap. Right? <laughs> no, I wouldn't give him like a ball slap or nothing. Well, there's no, there's no way, you know, like why would you, especially after experiencing something like that? I totally like in, um, that's hardcore. Well, but, but again, it was, I, I totally see uh, Joe Pesci in Goodfellas, right? Right. Oh, you think I'm funny? It was instant. (laughs) It was like, you know what I mean? So for me, like, I can't wait for my son to have kids. (laughs) (laughs) I turned out okay. I mean, so Uh, (laughs) it's open for discussion. You're looking to pay it forward. Yeah, it's open for discussion. Oh, my God, that's incredible. And then, no, my grandma was super cool, basically raised us. And she was a double mastectomy breast cancer survivor, like, way early on. And she lived to be pretty old. I mean, both of them lived to be, you know, pretty old. And my mom, uh, grade school principal, but my mom actually had, my mom was physically handicapped. 
So she had, she was on a drug called prednisone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, super early on. So when I got like in high school, mm-hmm. maybe like 15 or 16 is when my mom started having like medical issues. From the prednisone? From the prednisone. So she's had to get like hip replacements, knee replacements, and if she wouldn't go on it, like she wouldn't breathe. So be, so before all that though, you said she was, uh, she was handicapped. What was her handicap? It was all due related to prednisone. It was all like uh, like uh, medical uh, side effects. So why was she on the prednisone? To be it was with? actually for breathing, ironically enough. It was, um, she had like super bad bronchitis mm-hmm. and it was the thing, I guess what prednisone does is it actually like helps open up your airwaves. So she became like, she'd be on again, off again, like really sick, like, you know, surgeries and all that kind of type stuff. She still ran an elementary school, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes she'd have to do it from like a medical scooter and all that. So... Early on, I had that started to happen, and then as my grandma started to go ahead and get sick, when I was around like 14 or 15, I started to live with a lot of like really adult stuff like super early on, so I couldn't right. wait. They were awesome people. I couldn't wait to get out of the house. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't wait. And there was always like these random dogs that they would adopt, and you know, <laughs> I'll never forget it. My mom brought home a Cocker Spaniel, and uh, she named it Lucky. And it was like the worst name she could have ever given this dog because uh, for some reason the dog got a really like dry nose and the nose actually kind of like crumbled and fell out. So then my mom got surgery for the dog and the dog died. <laughs> yeah, but, the, the, but the dog's name was Lucky, you know, so if you think about it from that. Anyways. I'm seeing your grandfather taking the dog's nose, rubbing it in the carpet. <laughs> no, 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 he wasn't. I'm telling you, it was just. Right. Flip the switch. <laughs> yeah, I guess he doesn't like getting it wet unless it's on his own recognizance, you know. So, oh my gosh! But no, crazy. that was. Uh, and then my dad is a. He was a music teacher, um, like K through five. So my dad, I guess the best way to explain it is he's got extreme like OCD. So my dad, in a way, is kind of a, a, a genius, like in a way, um, but musically. So there's like, so I had mental limit, like mental like limitations. I mean, he was an amazing guy still is. He's awesome. But I had this very genius kind of type father and then a mom that was brilliant in her own mind, but physically handicapped. And then a grandma that was always battling cancer. And then a grandpa that just basically smoked a pipe and you didn't want to spray him in the nuts with a hose, you know? (laughs) Uh, lesson learned lesson learned yeah so that's that's i mean i basically that's childhood that's a lot yeah um i swam i was a swimmer in that creek in that river that no i did not swim in the creek or the river that hit the golf balls yeah so no yeah that's where i'm from so it was close enough to chicago to still have uh, a major city impact you know, going to shows on weekends. Oh, Al Capone roots. That's, you can't get more Chicago than that. Al Capone and the Smashing Pumpkins, That's man. Right. That's it. That's what you get. That's okay, but before it goes, before it goes completely crazy, how'd you get into hair, Ben? I got into hair. This woman named Beverly actually who used to work at this place called Hair Crafters, and I believe it was Crafters with a Z. <laughs> you know, and I used to just like go in places with my mom and grandma. Mm-hmm. And the shop that they would go to was this woman named Beverly would do their hair. And I liked going. I just liked hanging out. I liked sitting under the dryer. I liked reading the the good housekeeping <laughs> the good housekeeping <laughs> magazines. Yeah, right. And then plus I had that barber experience with my grandpa. I just like hanging out when I was a kid. I just loved going there. I wasn't a really big fan of getting my hair done. I mean, my parents gave me the the Joni Loves Chachi haircut, you know, <laughs> right, sure. like we all had. <laughs> Sideburns shaved yeah. out to the side. And I just like going. And long story short, 
when I was 14, uh, one of the girls I went to school with, this girl named Katie, uh, asked me if I'd give her a spiral perm. And I had Whoa. seen them getting done before. So we went to Sally's and we bought Quantum Red <laughs> and a bunch of orange and purple perm rods. And it took me fucking forever. <laughs> it took me like seven hours. And I rinsed it in the sink, followed the directions, and it turned out golden. So next thing I know, sophomore year, my mom had a friend that came over and she's like, Hey, will you give me a perm? I said, sure. And it was easier because it wasn't sure. Do you have the weekend? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I hope you brought your kids. Yeah. It's going to be, you want to bring a lunch. And then I just started perming stuff, uh, super early on. And I watched a friend of mine, uh, this guy named Mike, he took a four guard, three guard, two guard, one guard and cut his own hair. And that was it. So I started doing it early. I was like a freshman, sophomore in high school when did, I started doing. Did you start stuff. barbering on yourself, or did you were, were you doing? It on well, I, but I was a swimmer. Like we, oh, right. We'd always we'd shave our heads anyways. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like I had I gave myself the bozo haircut because there was like the <laughs> skier guy that had it for like a day. So we were always messing around right. with um, bleaching our hair out with like basic white bleach from Sally's and Kool Aid colors and manic panic and all that. We were always messing around. Uh, but the women's hair thing, I got turned on to pretty early. Mm-hmm. So did you eventually uh, go to to apprentice or go to a school? I went to beauty school right after high school. I knew it was something that I was going to do. And that when you get when you get thirteen on your SATs, you're uh, <laughs> <laughs> somewhat somewhat limited. limited to what you can do. So low, the uh, beauty school was like, Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, loans my, for you. Yeah, my guidance counselor was like, well, you could be a shepherd, or you know, right. you can go to beauty school. <laughs> Uh, so no, I opted for beauty school and I went to one right, I literally, I graduated high school and then two weeks later is when I went to a school called John Amico and I went through it through my community college and then I was there for four weeks and it was an all African American beauty school and one of the instructors comes up to me and says, can I ask you something? I said, yeah, what's up? What do you plan on doing when you graduate? I said, I, I don't know, relaxers. I, that's all I knew. You know what I mean? It's completely all I knew. So we decided that it would be a good idea for me to learn how to do Caucasian hair as well, <laughs> considering where I was living and where I was at. Mm-hmm. And I ended up transferring over to this school called Cameo. And no, it's not owned by... <laughs> I was so pissed off. I was so mad. I felt so robbed that that didn't, that, that, you know, that, that didn't work out. And... Went there and that was it. And when I was in beauty school, that's when I moved out of my house and oh. started just playing music and living at friends' houses until I had enough money to get an apartment and so just kind of been a gypsy music, ever since. Music gene then from your father? I got it from my mom and dad. Yeah, my mom was a uh, French horn player, uh, violin, and she sang. Okay. And then my dad was a piano player. So, and I have music in my blood, uh, family too. I have a, an, an actor cousin. Gary Sinise, the guy that played Lieutenant yeah, yeah. Dan, sure. yeah. is a, a cousin, actually. So we have oh, okay. theater awesome. theater blood in our family, a lot of musical blood. And what is- instruments you play? Uh, I play a bunch. The ones that I don't play, I don't play brass. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you give me a trumpet, nope, nope, not happening. But beyond that, I can play several, you know, for sure. Because mm-hmm. most stringed instruments are kind of the same, you know, depending on how they're tuned. So my main ones would be upright bass, saxophone, guitar, banjo, and then singing and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. So did you, um, like we have a friend that, uh, that she, she's been in a, a few different types of bands. You know, she started off at like, like 
hardcore kind of stuff, and now she's doing like folky kind of stuff. Did did you kind of find that you uh, that you evolved as well? <laughs> that I got older. <laughs> is that, is that, is that the <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, it's totally she what happens. That you got older. That's yeah, good. It, it, it's almost like getting a cutting stool. You know, <laughs> usually you don't start off on one. You kind of end up there. You know. <laughs> no, I was. Uh, trained saxophone wise I took all these different kinds of lessons and stuff so I played all different kinds of music I mean for me it, when I saw the Guns N' Roses Welcome to the Jungle video right. life began it's literally it's just that simple I remember watching that and just looking at my body and looking at Slash and being like fuck that's, that's I'm screwed <laughs> like, that's, that's, it. that's it and buying the magazines and begging my mom to buy a guitar which was well I didn't have to beg her they were so into it that I was into music and right. just sitting there and like locking myself in my room until I figured out like master of puppets and how to play this and how to play that and getting guitar world and figuring out tablatures and forced myself to become a guitar player you know that's but so cool. Saxophone wise, I mean, at jazz, I played blues, I played ska for a long time. Biggest gigs I ever got, I got hired to play with Smash Mouth uh, back in 2001. Me and this buddy of mine named Chewy, he's a trumpet player, mm-hmm. and uh, we played two gigs with them on the road. So I got to play in front of like 20,000 people, which was just, Whoa. yeah, but it's it wasn't like I was playing with the Rolling Stones, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, 20 grand is 20 grand, man. It's like, yeah. hey, you're going to play in front of 20,000 people, but you're going to play with Selena Gomez. You'd be right. like, oh, man, you know? <laughs> Why are you hating on Selena, man? I'm just, I don't know. She was just there. Right. Just the first thing that showed up. <laughs> First thing that showed up, you know, first thing that showed up. Oh my gosh. So no, crazy. I played in a bunch of different kinds of bands and had a band house for a while. Uh, when I lived in Calumet City, when I bought my first home, I lived with uh, a drummer and a bass player. And all we did was literally, I mean, we just played music and cutting hair for me was just something that I did to have money during the day. And mm-hmm. then my all my evenings were always spent as a musician or like doing art or, you know, videos and all that stuff. Can can we talk about the combination of cutting hair and music? Yeah, of course. Well, Ben has this uh, video. Uh, what's the name of the video? It's summer. T- haircuts in the summer? Yeah, haircuts, haircuts in the, in the summer. summer. Oh, is that available God. on YouTube? Yeah, it yeah. is. Oh, yeah. So you guys go check out Haircuts in the summer. Haircuts in the summer, and you're gonna laugh your tail off. It, man, that was awesome. So, how how did, what inspired you to do that? Well, we had like I got to a point where I had salons early on. Like I got my first shop when I was 21, and I bought it off uh, a family. Actually, they turned into really good friends of mine. This this older couple named Joe and Jenny. And they're gonna hate the word hate that I said older. And they're like they're like uh, they're like professional parents to me. You know how you have like your the older the people that you look up to like your yeah, mentors absolutely. my like salon parents are joe and jenny pachoric and i just love these people to death do you have to kiss in a ring yeah <laughs> i'm surprised i don't i'm surprised i don't the guy has a fur coat and nice. wears it in the winter you know so that's awesome. that's close yeah it's kind of like the pope right, right. <laughs> and so i ended up meeting them and i got my first shop long story short eight or nine years go by and I had a record store for a while that I cut hair out of. We were like a music venue. Like I've always combined other things than just hair. And long story short, we ended up combining that. We ended up doing this and doing that. I found myself working at home. I was just like, you know what? I've spent all this money. I didn't like having a staff at that point. It cost me more money to have a shop than it did. And I was like crazy in debt. So I said, I'm going to solidify everything and I'm going to go work from the house. So now I work at home And then my master bedroom is still a recording studio. So in between clients, 
I would play music and I would have people that either wouldn't work or musicians that would go ahead and stop by. And I had a 24 track Yamaha like recording thing. Wow. And friends would stop by and my buddy DK had this beat that he had. And I came over to his house with an acoustic guitar and just played C F G basically. <laughs> and he gave it back to me and I started writing stuff down and then I rapped over it and had this song called haircuts in the summer. So long story short, I get a random email about this television show at the time it was called top hair. And they asked if I wanted to go ahead and be on it. And I said, well, what do I need to do? They said, I need to make a video. So I called my buddy Nick and begged him to drive from Detroit, take every, all of his computer gear, pick it, drive from Detroit and stay up with me for a day and a half to get this to them by like a Monday. And we made the video for it. And we just followed me around for like two days, basically and then we got done editing it and we watched it and we were like crying. Like we were laughing so hard. Oh, so man. then I sent it to Bravo and literally I went from being a kitchen beautician to being on this like massive, massive, like real world type show, you know? What, um, I mean, how did Top Hair even hear about you? Like how, how'd you position yourself for that? I was at a point where I was about... in debt when I was pretty young. So Mm -hmm. I opened up a record store and took out a large loan. And then literally like two weeks after I opened, Napster came out. And then I swear to God, when Napster came out is like right when 9-11 happened. So not only do you have people getting music for free, but you also have people that are just scared to death. I I remember when that happened. I mean, like you didn't leave the house. Everybody was freaking out. Right. And it ended up tanking. So I had to take all that money that I spent and I couldn't get out of a lease that I was in. So I was just like, well, you know what? I'm going to do something before I was going to file bankruptcy. And I said, before I file bankruptcy, let me at least take out another credit card (laughs) and see if I can do like a documentary mockumentary. And I was going to call myself the hair to the throne. And I was going to get a red suit and kind of dress like Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> and we were going to go around in a Winnebago and do a documentary mockumentary, kind of like the movie Gummo. <laughs> and we were going to do it around hairdressing. So I was going to go to like Genie, Ohio and interview people and hair salons <laughs> and go back to the house and see what they have underneath their sink and hired some people. And when I mean hired, like asked people if they would help me. And we put it on Craigslist that we were looking to do this documentary mockumentary thing. And long story short, Nothing happened, and because of that, nothing nothing happened, happened. (laughs) and I get this email from a production company that just kind of tagged into what it is that I was doing, and I had a website. I had a benmollen.com that I did a long time ago, and I would just post work that I would do on there. You know, I mean, it was just so basic, and that was it. They said, hey, we're on your website got a second. So I didn't even try out for it. I mean, nothing. I was literally, I'll never forget, I was driving in the city on a day off and I got a phone call from uh, LA and that was it. Wow. Made a rap video That's where I'm cussing, <laughs> smoking pot, doing yoga. And I was like, why did I, what the hell, all the time. <laughs> like I finally get, here's this opportunity that I've been dying for. And what do I do? I go the asshole route, <laughs> you know, to see what would happen. And then I ended up sending it out there. And I didn't hear anything for a couple months. And then I ended up calling him. I'm like, hey, I just want to make sure you guys got my video. And the girl that I talked to, she's like, hold on a second. She walks outside and she whispers to me. She goes, I just want to let you know, like, we're all pushing for you, dude. 
that video is fucking awesome. And we're, we know the words to it. Like we're pushing for you. We're pushing for you. Just be patient. And then I got plane tickets and flew out to LA and that was it. The rest is history, right? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I uh, I remember watching that show. Yeah. Yeah. Sheer, sheer genius, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally do too. So, at what point did they change the name? Do you know, or is that was that was on the other side? I think it just, yeah, top hair is just that could be taken so many ways, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so that's the uh, Tabitha was involved with that, yeah. Yeah, Tabitha was mm-hmm. on the same. Yeah, we were on season one, and uh, that's when I met Tabitha. What's guys kind of remind me was was Tabitha well known before that, or was that kind of her breakout? Tabitha as well? was a international Joyco artist prior to doing right. that, and but, actually the guy that won this guy by the name of Anthony Morrison, he was uh, an international Joyco guy as well. But Tabitha was already traveling as uh, a Joyco artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Working, I know she was, but like not really known big outside of the industry, right? I don't know. I'm not I'm not too sure. She's like she uh, Tabitha's awesome and a huge fan of her. Um, she's the one name that like. Even our clients know, right? Like if you talk about hairdressers, you know they don't they, they don't know a lot of hairdressers' name except like Vidal Sassoon and Tabitha Coffee. I mean, right, those are that's a pretty good company to be. That's in, mad know. success if you yeah. think about it that way. Uh, completely mad you know? success. Yeah, it's like what we were talking about earlier that pie chart. You know, when you right. reach that level of out of your industry or out of your your group, mm-hmm. when you become a household name, that's to me that's fame. There's notoriety right. and then there's fame, and right. fame is wild. It's a whole different thing. That's crazy, man. That's pretty awesome. So, um, so I mean, essentially, that's when um, you know the people found out about Ben Mullen too. So, so what was your track kind of after? After well, Ooh. I mean, he became runner up, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he's second he didn't best. Win. Just, and, uh, yeah. Actually, you know what, what's that guy's name? Anthony? What? Not good enough. Yeah. Anthony Morrison. <laughs> Anthony was his name. Morrison. Yeah. I think we need to talk to him. I mean, he was the winner and stuff. Yeah. Let's text him. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just Facetime him. <laughs> yeah. We had this guy on. Don't even mention him. Yeah. Huh? He's got like a cool background story, but after 20 minutes of talking to him, he's nervous, he's crying, yeah, all this all this stuff goes on. He looks good, but I don't know. There's just something about him. Oh, oh yeah, God. that's right. He didn't win. He didn't win. Yeah. You should get that tattooed. Second place. Second place. Uh-huh. Didn't win. Uh-huh. Just not there on my knuckles. <laughs> Almost. Oh, not bad. Not bad. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Almost famous. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, okay. So that was your breakout. So, you know, what was your track after that? So after that, life didn't really change at that specific time and moment because I still was crazy in debt. I was still living in this like pretty shady area, but I was living for cheap. Like my mortgage was only like 589 bucks a month. Oh my gosh. Where I was living. And wow. then I had music there. I had, like, it was weird. Like, what I had was my own. And even if it was like debt and this and that, it was still mine. And I became used to this lifestyle, <laughs> like, you know. And after the show, I remember getting a phone call from Tabitha. And she says to me, she's like, well, what, for, for fuck's sake, what are you going to do now? Your, <laughs> your, your street cred's gone, you know? And she put me in contact with Joico. And it was going to be between Joico and Alberto Culver. They were the ones that sponsored the show. Uh-huh. And I ended up going with Joico because Joico asked me if I wanted to go to New York to do Roger Waters' hair for an acceptance speech. Wow. And it was at that moment where I said, holy cow, that's, that's amazing. What a cool, what a great opportunity, you know? And so I ended up going with that and that was it. I mean, the rest of it, I mean, it's such a, so much happened. I mean, I didn't have a salon at that point. So I just opened up in the back of my buddy's guitar shop at this place called dynamite music in Griffith, Indiana. 
and I paid him $100 a week to have two shampoo bowls and two little stations that I would just kind of work out of. And I got a Comcast digital phone and just that's where I worked. And then for that year, I think I ended up getting like three or 4,000 new people. Everybody that I did was brand new for like a year. Like people wow. just came all over the place. Cause I was, I was on the today show. I was like I, all over the place with everything. Right. But the event that I did with Joyco in New York was, uh, actually you guys want to hear a story? Yeah. You guys want to hear a funny story? <laughs> no, no, no. We don't want to hear funny stories. Man. It's about the time I thought I humped my buddy Andy. Ready? <laughs> Go. And Joyco flies me to New York, and we're, I'm at this hotel called the Hudson, and it's like my first time in New York. And what they say to me before I even go there is just like, hey, we have a credit at the hotel, so don't be afraid to go in there and have a good time. I was like, okay. So land, end up at the Hudson, and I call my buddy Andy. See where this is going, right? <laughs> so I call my buddy Andy, who lives in Manhattan, and I say, hey, man, you should come join me. I said, let's, let's go ahead and tear it up. I got this product company that just flew me out. I got to be up tomorrow morning because I'm doing this thing with Roger Waters and all these celebrities and stuff, so I got to be on point. Okay, great. So he comes over, and I ended up going on the rooftop bar, and that's when I got turned on to these things called lychee martinis. And I think seven or eight in at that point, I ended up on a subway. From a subway, I go to a Japanese restaurant in which I managed to get thrown out of. Hold on. This is, this is just like time travel stuff. From there, he takes me to a, like a show opening for some reason, which we ended up getting thrown out of as well. I go back to the hotel, and then for some reason, he calls a friend of his, this guy named Tom. And I guess Tom was on Sex in the City. Or he was like he had a speaking role or something. something Anyways, right? Tom knew a lot of people, and Tom was sitting at a Tom big was table. The guy, right? So here comes this guy, three <laughs> sheets of the wind, drinking you know pancake drinks, you know. And I'm like, let's get a bottle. So I get a bottle of tequila. Again, like completely on <laughs> on someone else's tab, and this must have had to have cost like a thousand dollars. Like it just had to have. And I wake up. And I am being carried by one of the biggest black guys I've ever seen in my life. But I'm not being carried like in a fireman position. I'm being carried like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I have my arm around this guy and my legs are up. And it was comforting. You know, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest with you. It was, it was, it was comforting. You know, it was like Lois Lane. You, know? you got me? <laughs> yeah, totally. And I remember looking at him and I say to him, am I in danger? Because I split for a sight, you know what I mean? That's the first thing you're going to, like, you're sure. going to say, yes, right. yes, I'm going to rape and kill you, you know? <laughs> and it was, they said, no, Mr. Mullen, we're taking you back to your room. So this is what happened, okay? I wasn't drunk. I was drunk, right? <laughs> I go upstairs to go ahead and go to bed. Now, Andy had already made it into the room. Me, however, I reached the finish line a little too early and passed out in the hallway. So I wake up. Knock on the door. Knock, 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 knock. You know, I'm knocking, trying to get in. I'm like, open the door, mother effer. I'm going to kill you. Open the door. Open the door. Wrong door. I don't know if you guys have taken a good oh, look at me. <laughs> I'm in New York, okay? And I look like Osama bin Laden's punk rock cousin. So here's these two older elderly couple have been called downstairs that there's a man knocking on their room threatening to kill them. That was me. And then I pass out. So I went in this, I went in this like safety mode. I pass out. So they brought me into the room. Okay. I wake up the next day and I am sitting there with my buddy, Andy next to me. 
like the same way you would make a ham sandwich. <laughs> like I couldn't get, you see how I got my hands closed like this? Yeah, like yeah, there was yeah. no air, like nothing. I could have flattened a basketball. <laughs> like it just could have. So what's the, are, are you like a face to face or in spoon no, position? No, 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 no. It, like, it, yeah, like not spoon position. <laughs> Not spoon position. No, like, I mean, I back was to back. back to back. No, 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 no. It was, I was no, on the outside. He would have been the bat. inside. Oh. Yeah. No, it wasn't bat to bat. No, oh. he wasn't sunny side up. <laughs> and I woke up and I thought to myself for a split second, I'm like, no way. Cause Andy was not, he was a non-clothed sleeper. And I, I'm kind I mean, there's, of, there's always a time to wear clothes, man. But no, but when you're to that point though, um, so long story short, uh, nothing happened. So <laughs> I, I kind of woke up and did some investigating, you know, and took a shower and a warm rag. And so you're, just not, kinda, you're not a hundred percent positive. A hundred percent. No, I figured no, no, if, you're if, not a hundred percent positive and nothing happened. A hundred percent. No, I, I've studied this. Like people, I have studied this. Like people study like the JFK assassination. <laughs> Don't like, forensics. I've read, I've retraced and gone into this and gone into that. Black light at the back. He pulled out the rubber glove. Just a couple of guys <laughs> sleeping, <laughs> sleeping super close. Making oh, sure you're still after tight. a night of rock star drinking, and so, that so, was the last well, time I've ever even done a shot. Yes, but did you make it to Roger? Yeah. Oh yeah, it now was. That's rock star. I did. I did. I got to meet Roger Waters, and I ended up uh, putting hairspray in his hair. He had bushy eyebrows, but I was afraid to trim him because he's British. <laughs> And he's Roger Waters. <laughs> no, I was like, dude, he's Roger. He's no, he's got to know his eyebrows are full. You know, I'm not going to sit there and make him look like, you know, who would I, what would I like him look like Halle Berry and just go in there, go in there with my little nape razor and just kind of arch him out, give him like chola bras and just send him on stage. It just didn't feel right doing it. So just kind of left it alone. And then that was it. I ended up doing that. Um, very dehydrated and went home and I've been on the road with Joyco now since, uh, 2007. Wow. And oh they kept God. you after all that. That's that awesome. was kind of a, like it. Nobody really knew. It's like kind of like if a tree falls. It's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around. Does it actually make a sound? You know, <laughs> that was so off the cuff uh, with everything. But yeah, that was my my first Joico event. Oh, and, and here you are. What twenty years later? Twenty. Yeah, twelve. <laughs> twelve years. Twelve years later. Yeah. They kept you around. They after did all that. They did. They did. <laughs> after a thousand dollar tequila. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the, you know, it was my first taste of, of anything out of my, my normal, you know, that was like, and I knew that wasn't going to be my new normal. You know, I was, when the show happened and when it aired, I was very patient with what I was going to do next, you know, cause right. this was, you know, a lot of people joke, they just like, man, you're like the original influencer, you know, <laughs> I was like, tell people I'm old school. I'm like cable, you know, <laughs> Bravo before the internet. Yes. Yeah. Before the internet was easily accessible on phones, there was me. And it would just ended up being uh, a pretty crazy, pretty crazy couple of years, man. Like big time crazy couple of years. So back to the show, how you have one of the biggest icons in our industry, if not the icon in our industry, Vidal Sassoon and Sally Hirschberger commend you on your, on your success throughout the uh, show. How was that? It just felt good to be honest with you. I mean, Sally Hirschberger, I, and we were kind of talking off camera or off, off cue. We never, me and my friends never went to hair shows. Like we were too busy, like trying to figure out like what shows we were going to go to in Chicago and hairdressing for me was really just kind of like a craft for me. It didn't necessarily become a lifestyle until TV to be completely honest with you. Right. I never went to hair shows. 
luckily I had really good teachers like early on in my career uh, mm-hmm. that taught me how to do like graduation and bobs and how to fix blonde. You know, I had really good teachers early on, but I ended up after that show getting thrown into a world that I didn't even know like existed. And it was, it wasn't like a deer in headlights kind of a type thing, but I remember doing my first trade show and just looking at the people that hired me and we were going to do the Joker thing. I was like, what do I do? They said, just go on stage and talk. I said, okay. So I went on stage and talked and I haven't got off the stage yet. Wow. That's cool, man. That's really cool. It is. It is. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's such a different track. Like, um, when Tony and I were kind of talking, like we've, we, we've, we've kind of cheated ourselves through the, through the hair, um, world because we've never had to do like editorial work. You know, a lot of people that, that, that you talk to in the industry have had to do like, um, you know, they've kind of had to earn their way and, you know, somehow with this podcast, you know, just, we, we're just available. Um, so it's kind of cool. Like it, it kind of like you, you kind of like side doored the industry as well. I got dropped off in a golden helicopter. Right. I mean, if you really, if yeah. you really think about it, but after all that happened and I saw some of the people, uh, two people in specifically, uh, a gentleman by the name of Damien Carney and this woman by the name of Sue Pemberton, they were the old artistic directors for Joico and their work was not only brilliant, but it was flawless. And that ended up being like the game changer. But what you had mentioned about Sally Hirschberger and Vidal Sassoon, um, I had dinner with Sassoon. Whoa. I, we had Chinese food off of our laps and I got to spend like an hour and a half with him uh, privately in my trailer when he knew that I didn't win. Really? He wow. came in and wanted to go ahead and talk to me and he sat down with me and he asked where I was from. I asked where he was from and I asked how he became Vidal Sassoon and he said it was other people. He said he was one of the only people that was like photographing his work and told him that my parents were teachers and all this stuff and how I just ended up on the show. Kind of the same story right. I gave you guys a little right. bit about where I was from and all that. And I was just talking to him and we had chicken chop suey off of styrofoam <laughs> plates. And he's the one that told me I should get into education uh, because he said I had a lot of raw talent and a lot of drive and he admired me for putting myself out there. Right. And I thanked him. And I remember a couple years went by and when Tabitha started getting like famous, like, you know, like right. massively famous and she was doing a book signing and Sassoon was there too because his movie just came out. And then I walked by and Vidal looked at me and said, hey, Ben, how's it going? I said, it's going really good, Vidal. How have you been? At that point, I knew my professional life was never going to be the same again. So it wasn't like a TV thing for me. It wasn't notoriety or this and that. I knew that the company that I was starting to keep and the people that were paying me compliments were beyond comprehension as far as number one, people that you'd be able to talk to and then number two people you'd be able to get praise from. So I just started practicing. I mean, even the first couple of years after the show, I didn't do anything because I knew I wasn't good enough. I said I was good enough to not to not win a show. Right. I was I was good enough to Almost. somehow I was good enough to somehow huck up a hundred thousand uh, dollars with sheer genius. But when I saw the people that were like artistic directors, like back in the day for these major companies, I looked and thought to myself, I was like, I can't do that. I have never had any training or this and that. So for a year or two, I literally went to anybody that would teach me anything, and I taught myself how to do hair. Wow. That's incredible. That's that, simple, you know? That's you, amazing. You would just travel all, all over for that? I would go to other people's salons and find out what people were good at 
And this is at, at the peak of my popularity. Mm-hmm. I went to Ohio. Um, I got put up by the Ohio Roller Derby girls <laughs> <laughs> and slept in a backyard for two days and learned some stuff uh, from them about styling and, and rolls and all that. And I had my friend Steven show me how to do extensions. And and I just started having people that were really good precision cutters um, come over and I'd be like, hey, what would it cost for me to learn this and learn that? And I just started getting taught. I'd pay for it. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up meeting a guy by the name of Mike Hill. Uh, I ended up opening up a shop in Indiana and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Mike used to be a Sassoon guy. And I worked next to a guy that had Sassoon training for almost 10 years. And wow. he worked right next to me. And I would just watch what he would do and I would ask questions. And every time I would go to work, I wouldn't talk. I would just kind of focus on What is I'm calling BS on that. No, nah, I can't uh-uh. imagine Ben. I'm not telling you, man. man. I'm telling you. When I was in that, when I was in that learning curve, I was so focused, focused right. on wanting to be not good but great. You know, because you can be good. Like you can be good. You can be a good person. You can be a good father. You can be a good friend. But if you go from good to great, you're that much more substantial. So, but the journey from good to great, though, it's like a within thing. So once I realized that the people that were training me started to give me compliments, and then I reached out to other people to, to, right now I have a mentor, this woman by the name of Pam Mesinger, who's a hair cutter out of Ohio. She's a lefty. When people like that started to tell me that I was doing like really good work and they were proud of me, that's when I knew I was ready then to then teach what I was doing. So the only reason why I'm still around, even like on the circuit, is because the stuff that I do and the stuff that I dedicate myself to, I focus to be great at. And it's only a couple things. It's only a couple things. That's, I mean, two things that I took from that. Um, one is, once again, on our podcast, um, someone's success was, uh, was singularly self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, that's come up so many times and kind of like... It's odd. Like if we're, I think if we're looking for that secret thing to be to, to, you know, to get you from two feet behind the chair to to you know wherever you need to be, it has to be self awareness. I mean that that kind of after I think we could write a book on that. You know, right? Just just having the self awareness and having and to be humble enough to to that as well. And the other thing is, dude, I think this quote is amazing. Right? Journey from good to great is a within thing. I mean that's huge. One hundred percent. No, I couldn't. I couldn't say that more. And then if you want to go from great to brilliant, that's all you. You're going to die chasing that one. But also, he said that, you know, sort of like with his conversation with Sassoon's, he said it was other people. Other people, you know what I mean? The Word. generosity or the or, or, or whatever, you know what I mean? It, being humbled enough to know that, hey, you know, I need help or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, other people see greatness in you and are willing to try to help pull that out of you. Amen. Yeah. That's how do you amazing. get it out? How do you, how do you wake yourself up every morning? And, you know, if doing the same thing, you're not going to see results. And even like when I worked from home and I was self-employed like early on, I started to teach myself by not repeating failure. So if I did something and it sucked, <laughs> I wouldn't do it again. You know, right. like, why is the right side longer? I'm like, well, what, what am I doing? You know, and I would just, you know, go back and forth with just certain ways to, to teach myself like as much as I could. When I knew that I had like international attention, I mean, Sheer Genius ran for 44 countries in seven years. Whoa. And MySpace was the forum at that point. <laughs> and I had people from like Thailand sending me like, you rock America, go hair, right. like some weird shit, you know? <laughs> and before Google Translate, everything. Right. 
And no, it was it was at that point where I realized that I was a I was a good hairdresser, but how do I become a great hairdresser at you know again certain things you know? And Damien was a huge huge you know I can't say enough good things about that guy as far as like being like a mentor because I was on the road with him for like six or seven years. I mean, in, right. in a way, I traveled all over North America and sometimes like Mexico or you know like an island to do like a like a, like a fest not a festival but like an on-location destination right. education kind of type thing. That's awesome. And he's the one that they always gave me like the best advice with everything. He says, take the things that you're, you know, that you're, that you're great or good at and just try to become great. He says, if you don't like doing up, do fuck them. Don't do them. I don't know. If you don't braid, don't braid. So right. I, I cut hair and I color hair professionally as far as like a hairdresser goes. Those are the two things that I do. You're a lot more than us. I cut hair. <laughs> he colors hair. Perfect. Well, you guys are like you guys are like Optimus Prime. You guys right. are like a transformer. Right. <laughs> you guys can work together. We're like, we're like one Ben. Right. That's good. We're like, That's good. We're like Ben and Andy. That's good. But no, I put a I put a lot of work in though, and luckily I've been able to be trained and learn from like people that I truly admire, and some of the best hairdressers in the world have taken me under their wing. Wow. And the notoriety is because of obviously being on TV. But then early on, allowing myself to be a student because there's no way you can't take popularity and you can't take that for anything for what it is because momentum is just a state of mind, man. It is. And most you, people might, you might think you have the world by the balls, but that's, that's your thought. Right. That's what you think, you know, so. Yeah, and a lot of people don't have that kind of longevity and you've been in this, uh, in this field for a long time and you've been at the top for a long time. Hairdresser years multiply three. Right. So right. if you've been on the road for one year, consider it like three. So I've been on the road literally for twelve years, and so I tell people it's like it's like thirty six years, you know, because <laughs> I'm always waiting. I'm always just like, yeah, this has got to be the last year. Like, right. there's no way. Like, I'm done. You know, how many mm-hmm. ways can you show balayage and fringe? You know, right. And every year, you know, luckily, thank <laughs> God, more things start to happen and more things start to develop. So you know, and I'm still learning stuff too. You know, I'm still learning like my limitations and how to become better and this and that. So, you know, I still work with Pam once a year. I have a cutting coach that I work with wow. um, that we'll get together because I believe that you you learn in a one-on-one kind of type environment. So what is she, So you have a cutting coach. I, I, yeah. Sparked curiosity. So, yeah. I mean, is she teaching you haircuts? Is she teaching you trends? Is she like, like what's she, what's she kind of teaching you? Or is it just to kind of go back to the basics and go, you know, palm to palm? No, it's not even, it was the basics the first couple of times that I've taken classes with her. And for me to go ahead and even pass like a haircut for her, it took me four hours on a mannequin head to get it to a point where she was like, okay, it's good. Uh-huh. And this is like a couple of years ago. And this is like you know, Navy SEAL type training. <laughs> to a point, to a point. <laughs> but I can have an idea and she watches me cut it. So this is what I'm looking to do. This is what I'm looking to show. So I'll actually rehearse what I want to do the following year, um, but I'll practice it with a coach before I go out to go ahead and do it. Because stage right. presentation, being a stage presenter, presenting hair from stage and doing hair behind the chair couldn't be two completely opposite things. Really? You can be the worst hairdresser in the world and be the best stage performer. That's interesting. I mean, I mean, I, I guess this is the perfect segue. Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. Um, so, I mean, you, you've, so you started, the, how long ago, well, let's back up. So okay. you started a company called the Ben Mollen Project. I did. And tell me a little bit about the Ben Mollen Project and how long it's been around and what, what do you do? I would love to. The Ben Mollen Project is something that I started putting together about eight years ago. Right. And maybe almost nine years ago, actually. And what had happened was 
when I started working for Joico, uh, the people that were hiring me realized that I had this really confidence when I would go ahead and be on stage. Right. And a lot of it was from like front and rock bands, like back in the day and actually just being on stage just in general. So they asked me if I would go ahead and train some of their advisors. So how it works is that you have guest artists, international guest artists, and then you have advisors. And usually there's like certain levels of advisors. Like there's uh-huh. like a level three, level two, level one, considering like their training. And usually their jobs are to go in and teach like basic PK classes or if somebody transfers out of color to go in and work with them for like a day or two to make sure that they're comfortable with their color swap out. Right. And they asked if I would go ahead and teach them a class on stage presentation. And of course, the first thing I said was yes. Yeah. 100%. I'd Obviously love to do yes. it. Yeah, I'd right. love to do it. And then I thought, and I was like, the hell am I going to teach? <laughs> so I reached out to some friends of mine that are Second City improv actors. And I reached Smart out move. to a client of mine that at the time was a college teacher for speech and debate. And I oh, asked wow. if they had any kind of notebooks or any kind of journals. So I got turned on to this thing called the Improv Encyclopedia. And then I got these drills that they would teach people at speech and debate at a college level. And I just started to put together like my own curriculum. And the first training, like back in the early days, the only thing I would ask for was an overhead projector, a microphone and a karaoke machine. And I would just do things that people were just petrified of and give them a area or like an arena to face that worst case scenario to kind of confront the boogeyman for the most part. Right. And some things would work. Some things would not work. And then I would pay attention to the things that would work and I would write it down and they would send out evaluation forms and some people would send back the evaluation forms and I'd be like, Hey, super cool, really good way. You know, I learned a couple really cool tips and tricks. Thank you very much. But then every once in a while, you'd get this letter, thank you so much for changing my life. Whoa. And then when you'd get letters like that, and it's different, like if you do like a haircut on somebody like a client, right? and you, you, know, you bring them, they lost a bunch of weight, or you, you, know, you help them go gray, or you've, you're shaving, you know, there's so many things that can happen from the client to the hairdresser mode. But now I was working with hairdressers. And to get that back from somebody that does what you do was addicting, I guess is the best way that I can go ahead and describe it. So I would so, show so, up. I mean, are you talking about like, like validation from your peers kind of thing? A hundred percent. Thank but, you so much. This has changed my life. Which and, is so weird because, um, you know, he's already gotten validation from like Vidal Sassoon. So it's kind of, it, it's kind of awesome that it's like kind of bringing, cause it, it literally brings the industry along. Right, yeah. right. When you get validation from, 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 from the top, right? right. Yeah, I there's mean, no, you, there's no more top. <laughs> yeah, but when no. you change, when you, when you change other people's lives, though, you know what I mean. That's, you know, that's that's got to be just mind blowing. Or I mean, it, it has to give you a, a a moment of this is why I'm doing this. That's or, that's the why. Yeah. Right. Like the, well, it just it's. So I just further developed it. And then every year I would do like a couple of trainings and then people started to get wind of what it is that I was doing. And then I would work on other things. Like I would study volume, for example, and a good val- a good speech to study volume is the Martin Luther King speech that I have a dream speech. Let's talk about volume a little bit. Like what, like tell me what does volume mean? Are you talking about like, you know, sound? are you on a one? Are you on a one? Or 10, you know, oh, it's it. like yeah, 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 the volume, yeah, yeah. you know, it, as far as like it. how you speak and all that. 
And if you listen to just like these epic famous speeches, what I would do is I would then write those speeches out and make people deliver them out of their comfort zone. So you're going to deliver this in an eight. So I would write out like the I had a dream speech or I would write out different kinds of speeches that people Mm -hmm. would give throughout history. And I had people going small, medium and large. And I just started developing these concepts and I would set things up and I've always been like an audio nerd and like a music nerd and everything else. And I've always loved doing exercises, but then with the improv information that I had learned too, on top of it, I would combine these exercises with improv exercises and then that's when I started to see the project start to go ahead and take shape because people, people were laughing or people would reach a point where they were so nervous that they'd have a panic attack. They'd leave and then they'd go ahead and come back and confront what they just got done doing with. And those were the people that I was blowing the minds off of. So a couple of years ago, I taught the class in uh, Stouffville, Ontario, Toronto area. <laughs> Um, my buddy, Mark Alotti, who's actually now my business partner and a woman named Monica Lombardi, who's my business partner as well. I had it pretty ironed out at that point. Right. Like it took me about six or seven years to truly understand like the format of what it is that I was doing to understand like breath, eye contact, eye control, the difference of being on stage and being off stage. What works on stage doesn't work off stage and developing rituals and habits talking to singers and opera singers and how they prepared their vocals for this and that. So I put a lot of, a lot of work into it. And then I realized that when I started to work with this and started to teach people that even me looking at them and being like, okay, let's lower our heart rates and looking at people in the eyes and holding their hands and being like, let's breathe and calming their nerves down. No one ever did that for them before. And you'd get people that would be emotional because they'd feel such an energy of, of empathy and compassion. I get goosebumps even talking about it. I got goosebumps wow. listening. And yeah. you would do this for people, and the next thing you know, they would do that, and all that nervous energy you would share with them and you would lift off of them with just a, a little bit of knowledge. And I taught the class in Stouffville, Ontario. Look at it. It's like mm-hmm. standing straight up. 100%. And Monica and Mark uh, came up to me afterwards and said, this is the greatest two days I've ever spent in my life. And they followed me around for a year to learn how to teach session one. And since then, in the last two years, we've trained over 300 people in three different countries. That's incredible. Back in March, back in March, I dedicated my life to it. Yeah, Yeah. you're attacking something that's uh, it's like top two or three most feared things in the world. Well, there's that Seinfeld joke, right? I mean, the Seinfeld joke is like shark uh, bites and death. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Come on. uh, Oh, the, the, the number one fear in people's lives is public speaking. The number two is death. So his joke is that you would rather be the guy in the box than the guy yeah. giving the eulogy. Right. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> right? 100%. But to, to, to make, you know, an, an attack in, in, a, in a totally different approach, you know what I mean? And, and I, I think that's amazing. That's well, phenomenal. I mean, I, I mean, let's do the gratuitous plug. I mean, Ben, if, if someone's about to do stage work or, or, or they need to go, how do they get in touch with you? you know, how, just, how does one get in touch with you? Uh, we have the website. It's just ben, the, benmollenproject.com. You don't even know what it is, do you? I have no idea. It's <laughs> benmollenproject.com. Uh-huh. Who's your and partner? Then, we'll ask her. Yeah, right. Monica. Yeah, you want to ask Monica on that one. No, it's just benmollenproject.com, or you can just send me a message through Instagram at the Ben Mollen Project on Instagram, or just Ben Mollen. And if I kind of find out where I'm at, but no, it's, we've been all over Canada. I did mm-hmm. a, a six day training actually in Cuba 
last, oh, really? last June where we helped start a, uh, a key account specialist team for Joico Canada. I've worked with high school kids. I've worked with agricultural salespeople. I've worked with every single walk of life. And it's, uh, I'll tell you guys the story. It's, it's, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of yeah, kind of how this happened. So back in June, uh, I told you that my mom had, like, she was like, you know, physically handicapped. Long story short, she had a surgery that she had to get done. And it was like an aneurysm that she had on the back of her brain that nobody knew about. So if she wasn't talking on speakerphone back then, uh, and my wife Angie wasn't there, we would have known that she, wouldn't have known that she was going in for brain surgery. So the project was really picking up speed at that point, and some really dear friends of mine. There's an educational group called the Goonies, mm-hmm. and uh, Philip Ring and Keon and Ruby. They're just like the sweetest, awesomest group of people. Ruby Divine, awesome, adore. They're, I just they're every single person from that Goonies mm-hmm. is just like they're like blood to me, you know. And they hired me two times. I worked with them once in Kansas City for a day uh, to get them ready for a show. And then I, tr- I was going to train them for Premier Orlando, actually. So had the ticket booked and everything else. My mom went in for surgery uh, that day, like four days beforehand. Talked to her on the phone, fly out to Premier. And when I go to Premier, I worked with the Goonies the whole entire day. And then talked to my mom when I landed, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Keon the barber and this woman named Heidi, and I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. We had a good day. And I, I, what I do a lot of times when I work with large groups is I put out the flow of show. So this is what time we're going to start. So I, I'm really good with working with hairdressers and artists. I take the creative process and I structure it. You know, um, I need more Ben in my life. Totally. Uh, <laughs> and I so, want to get more Ben in my life. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> I told you about Andy. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, just give you, I just need to get, what just they, give me a bunch of lychee martinis. New York's right. only what, like 99 minutes away. So we, uh, Keon was really excited because he had just, uh, I guess you can buy a star. You can buy a star. Where? In the universe. You can actually have. Oh, yeah, like, I've heard of that. The, the, the commercials they used to run on the radio. Yeah. By so, the way, if we're looking for a sponsor, if you <laughs> the stars, yeah, just buy, look buy up. a star. Longitude one hundred and one. Yeah. Hi, welcome to your day podcast. We're brought to you by Longitude one hundred and one, latitude point seven seven. Hi, I'm your ghost Corey. Hi, I'm Tony. So it's we were back there, and they had all the Goonies were together. They were all just kind of hanging out, and we were just going over like show flow and doing this and doing that. And Keon's like, hey, I just I, I adopted this star. And he showed me like the star. And he's like, right. all you ever have to do is go ahead and look up. And when he told me to go ahead and look up, um, my phone started vibrating. And uh, my mom went into a coma <sighs> when he told me to look up. So I was literally basically in the room with him when he told me to look up. And I went back to the hotel and I FaceTimed uh, my wife, Angie. And she said, call your brother called my brother and uh that was it she was in a coma and it wasn't looking good so i called keon and i said hey thank you for being there for me for this and this is what i got going on so i went home and landed in chicago went back to the hospital and realized that that was going to be my mom or the version of my mom so we took her off of life support and my dad wasn't taking care of himself because how it worked was my mom told my dad when to do this and when to do that. So my dad was suffering dehydration. So my dad got hospitalized while my mom was in a coma. That's what I landed to when I came back in Chicago. Oh my! Then gosh. I found out like 
with all this was going on that my dad had bladder cancer within, I mean, dude, like two hours. So it's not, it's how you act defensively is it's, it's so much about your character, you know, and I believe that you have to experience certain things in order to get relevancy as far as like what it is that you're able to communicate with people or how you're able to relate like back and forth. So my mom ends up passing away and I ended up finding a place for my dad to go um, because luckily he set it up so that he had uh, teacher retirement. So we had to put him in like an assisted living. Right. So planned a, a shiva, which is basically Hebrew for funeral. And that was on Wednesday. On that Saturday, a car comes and picks me up and I go from Chicago, Chicago to Montreal, Montreal to Cuba for a six day Ben Mollen project workshop for Joico Canada. And got to Cuba and got messed with by immigration going in. So strike one was my mom passing away. Strike two was finding out what my dad had going on. Strike three, I'm in a third world country about to get detained. And that happened literally all within uh, like a six day period. So at that point, I looked up. I didn't know where else to look. I looked up and uh, I said, obviously, yes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) God, is that you? (laughs) And that was it. We ended up teaching the class and it was the first time I've ever felt like me actually leaving my body and the information that I gave and how I was able to train like for that week that I was out there. um, It came back and I realized that I needed to shift gears. So I had a salon. We had, hold on, I be, whoa, whoa, hold you know, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. yeah, it's a heavy one. That's a real heavy one. And you I said mean, it was going to be funny. <laughs> you asked me if um, I wanted tissue, and you're the one that looks like you need one. Yeah, definitely need it. How did you? I mean, I, I'm I'm blown away by even the possibility that you could do a class in this. I, I mean, had to. I mean, there, there's there, there's so much grief laying on you at that point. I mean, how how do you muster that up? There's so much inspiration too from grief, though, depending on what side of the fence that you're on when you take it. And for me, whoa, 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 it was. What a, does that mean? It was a flight or fight kind of a type thing with me. I said, I'm either going to go ahead and roll with this and completely lose my shit. Right. Or I'm going to see what I'm truly made of and see if I can turn this into somehow inspiring for other people. Because eight years ago, when I got a letter that somebody said that I changed their life, I needed that. I needed that. Like it was something that I needed to at least attempt as opposed to going back to what had been my new reality, which was about to suck hard, you know, like way hard. So I said, mm-hmm. let me just keep on going with what it is that I got going on. And I thought, what would my mom do? My mom was a retired K through five educator. She had doctorate in education, had written books, curriculums, uh, the whole nine yards. So not only did I feel like I was doing what she would have done, but I also felt like I was, I had a chance to, start a legacy for her because of all the information and knowledge that she gave me on everything. So in a way I was honoring her death by going there and teaching. Boom. Wow. Whew. That's heavy, bro. Yep. That's really heavy. I and, mean, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you chose to fight, man, because, uh, I, th- I think you're an amazing person. Uh, you're, you're doing amazing things. I totally respect you. I, you know, I can't wait to take, the class with you. The pro- I can't wait to train you. Yeah. yeah. Can't I wait am to train so looking you. forward to that. Yeah. That's, I mean. And that's, uh, that's yeah. Great. It, it, it's interesting to me that, that, you know, after, you know, Ben's rock and roll days and after his hairdressing days and after all that, at the end of the day, he's exactly what his parents are and that's a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know? 
like, that. Like, like that, that's what his DNA is saying, you know? So. He still gets down, I'm sure, in, in the music department. <laughs> I, I got turned on to physical fitness, actually, four or five months ago. To sum it up, I went into work when I got back from the Cuba trip and told my whole staff that they had two months to find work. And I had commission guys. I had booth rent. You know, we mm-hmm. won Salon of Northwest Indiana. <laughs> Salon of Northwest Indiana. Back in two- yeah, totally. <laughs> the bronze. We didn't, even get, we didn't even win. We got the bronze. Uh, I'm going down. I know, I know. No, I know. I was like, what the hell? Usually I get second place. And um, you don't I get, know who I am. I'm second place, Ben. So I gave him two months. Right. I gave him two months. And at the, the second month when I walked back in is when literally I, I turned the key, opened up, and that's when I got a phone call from Nolik All-Stars. Whoa. To the day. To the day. That's so then crazy. what happened was everything that I taught, everything that I've been telling people, because when people really listen to what you're telling them, you have to choose your words wisely. And I tell people that all the time, especially when you're miked. Watch what you say, because there's people that are truly listening. And if you can make an impact on somebody positively, you're doing a great job. But it's as easy as it is to influence somebody. It's also that easier to discourage that person. So literally, you got to watch what you say. And I got done with that and did the show. I came back. I said, well, what else can I get rid of? And in March, I went into work and I looked at my book and I said, if it wasn't ever fun, I wouldn't do it anymore. I saw my book and I just had that day, <laughs> like yeah, that, right. that Saturday day where you look at your clients and you're like, Ugh, I got, I got Pete and repeat, you know? Right. <laughs> and I left, I quit. That's it. And I did my last haircut on this guy named Dan Mitchell. And uh, Shout he was to Dan. my longest client for 27 years. And I went on Facebook to make it official and cried. And that was it. And I went home after that and said, I'm just going to focus on being trained. I'm going to still keep the coaches that I have that work with me as far as the hair goes. But I'm going to start doing hair the same way I would, like the way I play guitar. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go back to it, to what's like rawest form, and just focus on how I can strengthen hairdressers primarily because, you know, for lack of a better term, it's, it's what I know. Mm-hmm. I've been on the road for 12 years. I've worked some of the biggest hair shows in the world. So I understand the logic and how it works with presenting from stage. And that's all I've been doing. I ded- I've literally dedicated my life to the project. Wow. And it's the best decision I could have ever made. And I thought about it. And a lot of the successes that I have right now, it's not the hard work that I put into it. It's the risks that I've taken that I owe my success to. Does that make sense? That makes hundred percent. I mean, it's the risk. it makes so much sense that I. I mean, I, I'm I'm blown away by how much yeah. sense it makes. If that makes sense, you know, like totally. I mean, I met you guys on Instagram. You're like, are you going to be in Philly? I'm like, yeah, I'll just get a plane ticket and come <laughs> out here do this interview and go home, you know. And it's just the the next step for me is just to create you know more awareness and because like you know I go home tomorrow. And I'm working with uh, some people that are currently right now working with Pulp Riot. And I have a, a buddy of mine named Antonio that's a Hanzo barber. And I'm training them in Chicago for two days, you know, Sunday and Monday at a friend of mine's salon out there. And then I go out to Windsor in November. And right now I am trying uh, to lock in a date with Mazella and Palmer out in London uh, to start bringing the project uh, overseas and start wow. working with like European how, artists. How long are the classes? Yeah. It, 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 the you, project class. Yeah, you break, you break, that, break that all Project down. classes are two days. 
Okay. So there's session one, which you have to go ahead and go through. And what session one covers is eye contact, body position. Right. Basically just how to leave an impact, you know, do's and don'ts before you're going to present all these things, how to sell, you know, how to sell it. So it's working as a partner, working by yourself on your introduction and your body, how you introduce yourself is so important. You can spend 10 hours trying to master a technique, but a lot of times people spend 15 seconds trying to figure out how they're going to introduce themselves. So with me, it's just kind of filling in that, that gap, right? you know, giving some, a creative person something else to be creative about and right. giving them that information. I love that. So that's two days. And I then, love that when you introduce yourself to Corey, you jump on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta let him know you're here. Sometimes you gotta pee in the corner. You know, right? you just gotta let him know you have arrived. Hey, so, so session one is two days? Session one is two days. And how many, se- there's two sessions? There's three there? sessions. Okay, three yeah. Sessions. And then um, session two, uh, one of my most popular session two sessions is presenting hair from stage. So after you go through session one, you're eligible for session two. And session two can also be real estate sales. Session two could also be presenting at your best man's wedding. Session two is basically, it's the real life scenario of what you've gone through session one for. Got it. But you can't do session one without session two. Got it. So, you don't so session one's like your foundation. Of 100%. The, yeah. yeah, it's the basic fundamentals. Right. And then session two is like, all right, let's put the ball in, rolling. Let's yep. get the ball rolling. Let's get the ball rolling. Cool. So uh, so after that, what's what, what's session three? Session three, we are waiting to get 100 people that have gone through session two. Right now, we're probably around, roughly around 60. Right. And then session three is going to be on location. At right now, I'm looking at like Cabo San Lucas, or uh, Columbia, or just like a, a destination. Right. And I had an awesome dinner with Tabitha a couple of weeks ago. And it's just putting you around people that influence you and like-minded right. people. Because after everyone has gone through session one and session two, you they're, already know they're like your homies, right? They are your homies. Your homies and it's, right. you have to go through the project in order to, to be a part of that. Tony, I think we need to speed through session one and two so yeah, we can go to Cabo. Oh, I want to be the top 100. Absolutely. Keep me out here. Yeah, Keep me out here. Yeah. But no, it's been, it's been good. I have, you know, product companies have been reaching out to me and a lot of artists, young artists, up and comers have been reaching out to me. And uh, Keon the Barber, uh, he calls me Yoda. You know, he's just like, like, you it. just have this thing, you know, about everything, you know. And it's my whole life's work has gotten me to where I'm at now. And like Boom. even what we talked about like in the beginning, like where I'm from and the time I slipped my buddy Andy, you know, all these <laughs> all these things about the developmental process of of growing up, you know, mm-hmm. through doing hair and getting a taste of what celebrity might feel like and then turning that into being well known within just the hair industry, which is fine. It's great. Right. It's awesome. You know, I and at the end of the day, I love hairdressers. I love hairdressers more than I love hairdressing. That's that that's great. I mean we yeah. um I I would I won't go quite that far, but but certainly um you know the reason we even started this was because of our our love and respect for the industry oh, and for the hairdressers that I are love in hairdressers. It. I mean, if I can just yeah. kind of give Ben an endorsement, and this is a this is a whatever. I was talking to Mariah from uh, Pink Pewter. Yeah, she's awesome. And, um, and she said that uh, that Sam Via hooked you guys up and and that you helped her with a presentation. So I did. So if if Sam Via, who by the way I took a public speaking class with Sam Via, so if he's actually recommending Ben Mullen, I think it's pretty uh, pretty big kudos there, you know. So uh, 
It's pretty awesome, right? I mean, yeah. who's, who, who better than Sam Villa? And then, no, he's, and he, Sam, every, every time I see Sam too, he's very, he's like, hey brother, I got your back. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of the bigger names right now that would be considered like the iconic crew. Right. Luckily, I'm all friends with, you know, I've become friends with over the years because that's what age will, will bring you when you're in doing something for one year or two years. Yeah, you're, you're getting the hang of it. But mm-hmm. then when you start doing it for five or six years, nine or 10 years, you know, you just meet a lot of people along the way. And if you're kind and consistent and honest, that gets you really far with this, you know, I love this. and we were talking earlier too. It seems like a lot of the people that have the most information to share are the most successful. It's because there's, why wouldn't you? Right. You awesome. know, it's a lot love of times, that. a lot of times it's the people on the climb that have the claws. They can, need it, you know? Yeah. Can you throw out again how people can find you? They can find me in Philadelphia, actually, if they <laughs> send me a random message on Instagram. I'll just fly out to you. Yeah, that's how that works. No, you can reach out to me at Ben Mollen on Instagram and send me a message that way or the Ben Mollen Project on Instagram as well or just Ben at gmail.com. Awesome. So you want to close this out and ask the last question? Yeah, absolutely. So (laughs) I'm scared to ask this question. So uh, Mr. Ben Marlin, uh, well, first of all, we got to set the question up, right? Okay. So um, should I dim the lights or I think they've dimmed. Okay. Um, So you can't, you know, listen, you can't do world. You can't cop out is basically what we're saying. Okay. So uh, what's Ben Marlin absolutely obsessed with right now? And it can be like anything. Ah, man. What am I obsessed with? Yeah. Let me think about this. I, you know what? I, I'll tell you what I'm obsessed with. I have, a, I have a brand new obsession. I am actually training for an Ironman. Get out. Talk yeah. About physical, physical fitness, right? Physical fitness. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm obsessed. So you're going like starting to work out to, to the top. Ironman. Straight Iron to Ironman. So just, you're, doing, you're doing marathon. You're doing the 100 I'm mile just gonna bike swim, ride. I'm going to swim 2.6 miles. I'm going to bike 111, then run a fucking <laughs> marathon. And I'm doing it in Quebec. What? Just to make it more epic. Yeah. In wow. January. He's going to do it in Quebec in no, January. No, not in January. <laughs> Get the shovel his way through the... Through That's the it, yeah. Right. That's Go amazing. camping in the mountains. Yeah, no, uh, no, no. I, I, right now, I am obsessed with pushing my physical limits. I absolutely, obsessed. absolutely love this. Yeah, absolutely uh, obsessed. Mr. Ben Marlin, I mean, I can't thank you enough for, for flying in from Chicago just to yeah. do this, um, flying to Philly to, to do this. Um, I can't thank you enough for um, for how much you're giving back to our industry. Um, I mean, just what an incredible ride you've had, sir. Well, I think you guys are on your, on the verge. And we talked about this kind of like a little bit off microphone. You guys are on your point. You guys are on your point to becoming iconic. I truly believe that. And what really got my attention was what you guys are doing is you're giving, you're giving a voice to people. You're, you're creating the audio as opposed to just the visual because the visual it's like, fuck, are you kidding me? You can't even, it's like, it's like watching badgers swim. You can't tell one from, you know what I mean? It's, right. it's the same thing. So visually, there's only so much that you can do as an artist as far as like when you visualize things. Audio, when you listen to things, it's a whole different sensory. It's a whole different part of the mind that is stimulated. So you're inspiring people when you take away their sight. And if you think about it that way, it's a whole other world that you guys are tapping into and you're the only ones that are doing it. So for me, I wanted to be able to say when you guys are looking back at this interview five or six years from now, and I'd be like, I was on this when these guys were setting up at Boost, <laughs> right. doing it this way, sending people uh, to go get their laptops when they're doing this and that. So you guys keep on doing what you're doing, 
uh, because what you're doing is you're creating a complete and entire different sense uh, for people in which to learn by and be inspired by. And I wanted to be a part of it before you guys were so big you don't answer your phones anymore. <laughs> we're going to have you flying out everywhere we go. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. No, but you guys are, I mean, and I look forward to, uh, it's probably going to air after I say, I look forward to your sober October and everything that you guys are doing. So keep up the good work and it's an honor to be here. So thank you again. Yeah, for really sure, man. It. Right back at you. Well, Mr. Ben Mullen, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs> <laughs>